0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi, this is Deborah Messing. And I'm Indana Dayani. We decided to create a podcast to introduce you to the people who inspire us most. These are the dissenters. The people who just made a decision one day to break down the establishment and build a new one.
0: In the greatest times of grief or even the most ordinary of circumstances, many heroes will rise. You just have to take that first step. So please tune in. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: There are heroes everywhere. Discover them. Become one.
0: Friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Trine Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, welcome back. So I don't even know how to really intro this person because it's a pretty dream guest for us here for sure, without a doubt. Um, You might know her as Tahani from The Good Place, but you might also know her from her incredible acts of kindness and activism and feminism and all of this amazing stuff that she does through the IWay movement online and now on a podcast as well. So please welcome Jamila Jamil. Hi, how are you? So good right now. I mean, I'm a little sweaty. I'm not going to lie, but this is this is great. I'm just, this is just phenomenal. I think you're one of these people that I, I watched the show. I watched The Good Place for so long. And that was for me as a Canadian girl, my first introduction to you, but I'm not like one of those people that goes and like follows online people. They watch in TV shows. Like I feel like, I feel like my kids do that, but that's not really something I do. And so I actually found you through the I Weigh movement. And that's when my first like taste of you was. And it came at a time that I was deeply ridden with body shame and you know, dysmorphic thoughts around my body, as well as coming out of what I didn't even realize was disordered eating and that I'd been openly promoting and and talking about only realizing that I was basically trying to hate myself happy. So your movement, the I Weigh page, I'm just going to go to the Instagram page, that was the first taste of it, really began to kind of start a new narrative. But I'd love to know your story, how it even got to be something that that was something you chose to start and do.
1: Well, I've been an activist since I was 19 years old. So I've been talking about eating sort of culture for 15 years and I've been campaigning in parliament in my 20s. So this has been a very long journey for me, but I guess I was just never Tahani on The Good Place before. Yeah, fair. The difference is that when you're on like a global NBC show and it's on Netflix, it means that so many more people have an interest in you. And I guess I'd never been an actress before and the world wasn't accustomed to actresses having a very bolshy, strong opinion on something Mm -hmm. that normally we should be profiting off, which is the beauty industry and the weight loss industry. You know, we are the ones who most, apart from fashion models, perpetuate this really toxic, singular image of what a woman should look like, ageless, always petite, always skinny, always prepubescent, the kind of Lolita aesthetic And so for someone just to be calling bullshit so aggressively on that, I think is why it suddenly caught the attention of the world. And I also think pre Me Too, I would have been demonized for it. But because Me Too had happened and been so successful, the world was readier for an outspoken woman who was rejecting a system of oppression. So it was 2018 when I first joined Instagram properly and started investigating it, looking at it. I was told to join it for the good place. And I clicked the explore button and just kept on seeing these images of famous women like the Kardashians or Taylor Swift or Selena Gomez with a number written across that body and their body. And the number was never how much they weigh. Sorry, the number was never how much money they'd earned or how many awards they'd won, all of which they had a lot of those things. The number was always what they weighed in kilograms or pounds. And once I clicked on that once, the algorithm started sending me hundreds of these of different famous women, even one of me that had a false weight on it. I tried to find pictures of famous men with a similar thing written across their bodies, and I couldn't find one single image of a group of men or a single man who wasn't a UFC fighter where his weight was written across their body, because we don't care what men weigh. We don't care how much space men do or don't take up. We just care about a man's achievements and contributions to society. We don't give men the extra homework of also forever maintaining a prepubescent, victorious, secret model aesthetic. We don't think that that's important for them. And so I snapped and I wrote on the internet, what I weigh, which is my financial achievements, my independence, my activism, my relationships, my friendships, the eating disorder I'd survived. I, was, I had a very small Instagram and Twitter following. I just posted it on Twitter. And within three days, I had 10,000 women post their images back to me of what they believe they weigh, which is the sum of their motherfucking parts. Yes. And it, I realized I touched upon a moment where we are finally fed up. We have been fed this horseshit for so long that we believed it. And I feel like women are just starting to wake up to the fact that this is nonsense how much extra homework we're being given. And so uh, within about a week, I started an Instagram account for it just because I wanted someone to put all the pictures from these women. And I had no idea that two years later, we would be like a full glo- global movement. And we have 1.2 million followers. We have a YouTube channel. We have a podcast, and we have we are working on changing two laws in America, and we've changed the global policy on Facebook and Instagram around diet culture.
0: And cosmetic surgery procedures. My gosh! I mean, talk about accomplishments. I think it was needed. I think it was needed, and and for somebody who's been in it and had you know diet culture claws in her back for subliminally her entire life. Like I was a, I was in a bigger body my whole life until I went through this weight loss journey. And it was incredibly eye-opening, the differences in society, the way they treat you when you're smaller, the way you are accepted when you are smaller, the privileges that you somehow walk into when you're smaller. What I've come to realize is I think a lot of times when it comes to the, the shame we have around our bodies is it's not necessarily that we want to be thin. It's that we want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be valuable enough to have all these experiences in life and what I, I think the I movement has done for me is to show that those those are not um, equations. Like those are not real equations that happen. Happiness isn't just having a thin body. Happiness isn't in, you know, changing your appearance. Happiness isn't all these things. Happiness is actually in our, yeah, like our accomplishments. We can actually find joy in, you know, creating memories and having a real life that isn't constantly obsessed with the subliminal messages that we've been fed.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, I think while I understand that people were like, you're taking up space in this conversation because fat activists have been saying this for so long mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. be a fat activist who didn't used to get listened to when I was fat. And I used to be called jealous and bitter, just like they now are. Oh. Um, I was thin. Suddenly people were acting, not only like I'd never said these things before, even though there's documented video footage of me saying this over the last 15 years, but uh, they acted like no one had ever said it before. And I completely understand the frustration that I'm the yeah. one who centered in it, but I also think it was really fucking important for a woman within the machine, inside of the industry to tell everyone all the lies, tell everyone, tell everyone all the bullshit, um, call out Photoshop, show how different it is, make sure that I show my my big stretch marks across my tits in every single shot of the good place and, and never Photoshop any of my pictures that ever go out anywhere, even billboards, even when my other castmates are heavily airbrushed, I am not and it was just, it was important for me to call out how these diets work and what these endorsements entail and what the pattern is, you know, like the pattern of manipulation. I've been talking recently about how when I became bigger, a couple, like maybe seven or eight years ago for a while, I was on medication and I got approached by so many weight loss companies that were like, please, can you sign on with us and endorse our product. And what we'll do is we'll take uh, deliberately humiliating photographs of you looking like deliberately flat, unflattering, quote unquote, photographs of you on the beach in an ill-fitting bikini, eating like a burger, running with my eyes half open. You know, that sort of stage shot we've seen of so many celebrities who then will, you know, suddenly, mysteriously end up on a weight loss journey that is highly successful and it's always attributed to this one product. Yes what they were going to be doing is secretly training me four times a week and taking these manipulative photographs that made me look bigger than I am. And then take photographs at the end that made me look probably smaller than I am and get me to endorse this product and never tell them the truth of what happened behind the closed doors. So I said, I told them to fuck off because I think that that's hugely unethical. And I stayed fat for as as long as my body wanted to. You know, Had my metabolism to kind of figure itself out. I really take great pleasure in calling out my peers, calling out companies, calling out anyone who participates in this culture that almost killed me when I was a teenager. You know, I was so anorexic that I could have died. And that's in no small part, while I'm not, I know that not all eating disorders come from an aesthetic aspiration. I do know that mine was 50 to 70% perpetuated by Hollywood and fashion and Disney and all of the cultures that told me that I had to be, I had to have a two inch waist and uh, thighs that never met. They were always to be kept apart and skinny arms and, and an emaciated face that somehow also always looked young, which just doesn't make sense. With it visiting. doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. i my whole life and I don't want other people to waste their life the way that I have, basically.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you today about one of our episode sponsors, which is Verst. Now, Verst is all about results. As a skincare brand, their products are made with proven ingredients at skin changing levels without the fussy packaging and conventional markups. You only pay for what matters exactly what's inside the bottle. And they take waste seriously. They skip excess packaging like inserts and in boxes for bigger items and use recyclable and biodegradable packaging wherever possible. They're actually 92% recyclable and working on being 100%. Check out the recycling guide on their website. It's in your cheat sheet on how to properly recycle your skincare empties. Verse formulates to the highest standards in the world, European Union standards, banning over 1300 toxins and questionable ingredients to ensure their products are safe, non-toxic, and effective. They keep the good, cut the bad, and focus on what works. Verst has some top and most popular products, including Day Dissolve Cleansing Balm, the Shortcut Overnight Peel, Dew Point Moisturizing Gel Cream, Press Restart Gentle Retinol Serum, and Wash It Out Gel Cleanser. And now Verst is available at Select Shoppers Drug Marts in Canada and online at shoppersdrugmart.ca. But right now you can get 10% off. For first time customers in the U.S. when you shop at verseskin.com with promo code papaya. That's V E R S E D S K I N dot com promo code papaya. Verst already offers skincare products at prices your bank account appreciates, but now they're giving you that extra 10% off. So please go and use that promo code. You won't regret it. Not only that, but I hate to be a little superficial about it. There's some of the cutest packaging you will ever see. It's simple. It's gorgeous. It looks amazing for your little shelfie that you're going to take for your Instagram. So go on over, head to Versed Skin.com promo code papaya, and you're going to save 10% off today. Now let's get back to the show. This is such a repeated story. There's so many women on this side of it and it feels like they're they're so intense about how they want to share the story because they recognize how many women and and men are truly missing out on their experiences with life because of these things. And to say that like there isn't so much per, like predatory actions like you've just displayed. I'm pregnant right now. My inbox is full of weight loss companies because they see it as, "Oh my gosh, you've gained weight. Let's help you." I'm like, "No, I'm actually pregnant. Like I'm not even allowed to be pregnant on the internet without being asked to promote some sort of a weight loss product. Those skinny teas, I remember when, back when I was first coming out of, like, I was actually still in heavily disordered eating. Um, I was approached by a skinny tea company and they offered me in like five figures I was a single mom at the time of three little kids and I had no idea how I was going to take my next paycheck. And that's when I knew the ethical difference in taking something because you need that money or whatever and doing damage to other people. I knew how this stuff worked. I knew that it came from like, it, it literally just gives you diarrhea. And I think that's what I found. And at the time I had no idea how to talk about that stuff. I was like, I don't want to get into any legal trouble. I don't want to get, I don't want to like ruffle any feathers. I don't want to bring any shame to anyone. And so I kind of sat alone with that and just like quietly said no to it. So it wasn't until you started bringing a lot of these things forward that I feel a lot of people felt like you're right. Like all of these things have been happening to us in predatory ways and we're not even recognizing it or feeling free to kind of talk about it. And and I think this is one thing you've been an activist for a long time and I've always said I'm I don't want to be an activist. Activism is not for me until this last year, until I kind of realized that to have a voice is to be able to use it, but it is still really fucking scary. I think for a lot of people who potentially are really big people pleasers or really um, have a lot of social anxieties and stuff like that. What would you say to people, you know, now that especially we're talking about being privileged, you know, I am the same as you. I used to exist in a bigger body, now I'm thin. I'm way more listened to and way more celebrated for talking about owning my body now than I ever would have been in the past. So I get that there is massive, massive differences here. But when we talk about activism, how can we kind of take those first steps? Like if you go back to you 15 years ago, what things would you have done differently? And what things do you do now to kind of maybe spark and inspire some more younger activists or people who are just starting out for the first time?
1: It's really important to pace yourself and do whatever you feel you are mentally sound to do because activism Mm. is really hard and it can be really lonely. And if you are a woman who speaks out against systems, you are resisted not only by men, but also by other women. You can trigger people all the time. Some people are angry with you because you are dismantling a system in which they get to be privileged. Mm -hmm. And they're angry with you because you are doing hard work that they aren't doing. And that's triggering them because you're making them feel bad about their own inaction. So then they want to distract you or dismantle you for that. So I think it's really important to understand activism is not easy. It's something you need social and emotional support when you participate in. But there are so many ways that you can help without being the front of a movement. And those are aligning with people like me or you or change makers who can create petitions and change laws and give you phone numbers. You can choose to boycott companies vote with your dollar, like decide who you're going to back. The thing that women in particular, you know, we're 80% of the market. And so we have been so targeted forever uh, when it comes to making us feel bad about ourselves, about our lives and everywhere, not just our bodies in order to make us go out and buy things to fulfill that void. Um, We have to understand that we've been taught forever that the market controls us, but actually, we very much so entirely control the market. The market truly wouldn't exist without us. We're 80% of it. And so we get to decide we made the Kardashians famous. We made all these big influencers, big influencers. That didn't just happen out of nowhere. We followed them, we clicked on their, we engaged with them, we supported them, we supported their brand. So if we gave them that, we can take that away. And I'm in no means trying to say we should cancel the Kardashians. I'm just saying that we have to understand that we can choose what we see in our feed. Curate your mind, curate your, what you, curate your periphery, I think. You know, and understand that you don't have to be subjected to photographs that trigger you, to people that trigger you. And you should stay away from companies that participate in the things that hurt you and hurt people like you. You have all the power. And I think that we're starting to wake up to that now and realize that we can choose who we make famous and what we make famous.
0: I 100% agree with that. And it wasn't until somebody actually said to me, like, you have power, like you're putting power. When we follow somebody, that's actually putting power behind them. And I think we just feel like a mosquito... Uh, out in the world. And you forget, like if you're a mosquito in a room, you actually have impact, right? So sometimes I think we feel like it's too big and we're just too small to do anything, but yet we actually massively have these impacts and and everyone has their own levels of influence or how they put their power behind things. But I got to say, you also, you tend to extend grace in the right ways as well. You've called out the Kardashians a bunch of times on things, but then recently when we saw Kim posts this really corseted photo. I think your caption was one of the more beautiful things I've read in sometimes because you actually extended a lot of grace to the fact that this is an example of somebody who is in the grips of what this culture is breeding. This is not just one person. This is, you know, truly and truly put it back into the hands of followers saying, are we going to put power behind this message and you know perpetuate it forward because this is somebody who's in the grips of it and we're actually encouraging it over and over how have you kind of come to a place where you really between you know wanting to call out people but also wanting to create change on an example like that how did you really land in a place of like almost extending grace to somebody like him who clearly is in it. Like she's and Chloe as well. We've, we've seen it. We've seen how in it they are without necessarily having to support them. How do you kind of bridge that gap?
1: For me, it's been really interesting being here for five years in Los Angeles or sort of belly of the beast and meeting all of these actresses who are so known for being, you know, very beautiful and very thin and, and looking ridiculously young for their age. And they're all, I mean, I'd say I've met almost no one who has a balanced and healthy approach to their face or their body and seeing how much that while they are the people who perpetuate it, they are also victims of it and they are afraid of food and they train three times a day and they are consistently studying and analysing themselves and injecting themselves and using injections to take that out and just consistently editing, panicking, worrying about being seen without makeup in the makeup room amongst other actresses It's really devastating and sad. And it's very obvious that, that anyone who thinks that there is, especially a billionaire, if a billionaire who has all that money, all that success, like all this wonderful family and everything else that's going on around them, all of the privilege in the world can still feel like they need to prove to the world that they are thin and still prioritise that as a talking point around themselves. It means that that person has been fully corrupted by the media. And with with the Kardashians in particular, look at what happened to them. I have so much empathy for what happened to them because I used to be a huge supporter of them when they would be fat shamed relentlessly, even during pregnancy. I've never seen a woman fat shamed like Kim Kardashian in the midst of her late term of pregnancy. And so, of course, they're going to be obsessed with their bodies and we can understand that and feel sorry for that and empathize with that, but it doesn't mean that we can enable them to recycle that culture and put it back out to other young girls. You know, I think sometimes some of the pushback I get is from adults who are like, yeah, we know these diet teas aren't real. Yeah, we know they photoshopped their pictures. Yeah, we know they have surgery. It's like, yeah, you do because you're a grown woman. I'm not here for you. I'm here for the 12 year olds like me who didn't know that people have cosmetic surgery, private chefs, uh, personal trainers, Photoshop assistants who work 24 hours a day and uh, they're wearing corsets all the time underneath their clothes. I had no idea. It's job to tell everyone this shit so that they can understand so they don't get fooled like I was and try and meet a standard to live up to beauty idols that didn't even look like that themselves.
0: Let's take a pause from our show to hear from one of today's sponsors, PayPal. Right now, we are supporting each other more than ever, especially our loved ones. If you are maybe sending gift deliveries to a family, splitting takeout order with a friend or neighbor, or helping somebody out financially, things may have changed around us, but our inner drive to be there for the people we care about runs deeper than ever. I've had to come together with my community for baby showers, for wedding celebrations, and all in unique ways, even just helping out a neighbor, uplifting somebody in need, or even buying from a local business. Because when we come together as a community, we empower ourselves to make a meaningful change and to remind those that we love that we're here for them. The problem is our normal has completely changed, and now we're finding new ways to connect and continue to support each other. We've started social distancing. So we spend time with friends and family and explore local cuisine. We're doing more to support and advocate for underrepresented communities. What we need more than ever is an easy way to support each other from afar. The solution, PayPal app. With the PayPal app, sending and receiving money is faster and easier. You can stay connected with the people you love, quickly and securely sending money to friends and family just about anywhere in the world. You can even start a money pool to split the bill, go in on a gift, or fundraise for a good cause. And you can support the places and causes you care about most. Make a touch-free QR code payment at your local favorite restaurant or farmer's market. You can even donate to a local nonprofit or support a cause from across the country. Right now, PayPal is making it easy to pay safely, quickly, and easily. Download the PayPal app today. Terms and conditions do apply. Now let's get back to the show. I was one of those people that back, I used to be such a fan too. And I remember I, I would watch their stuff all the time. And, and I still like in ways, I think they have their, their place in entertainment, but I think you're right. They're, they're really recycling a lot of things. And I think that we are called to action in terms of like what we follow and what we pow- our power behind. But I remember when waist trainers were like at their peak, and I was so thin. I was like a size zero and I was shoving my body into this this waist trainer every night. And my only example of it were these women, were the Kardashians. And I was just like, I just want that waist so bad. I want that hourglass shape so bad that I would literally go to sleep barely being able to breathe. And I would do that night after night after night and just and until I actually learned that you're actually manipulating your organs into other places. And then I finally was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I had no idea. That's how blindly we kind of go into things and believe things because of somebody with such great power and such great privilege and so admired as doing something. It just feels right to follow along.
1: hyper Like we don't know that that's not what we're supposed to do. We don't know that we're not supposed to Sleep less than men because we wake up earlier to do our hair and makeup. We don't know that we're not supposed to exist on less calories than we need. We don't know that we're not supposed to over-exercise. We don't know that we're not supposed to spend four or five hours a day thinking about our bodies or our hair or aesthetic, rather than thinking about our bank accounts or our happiness or our mental health or our families, etc. We don't know that that's not right because it's so normalised. I like I remember being at school and every single girl in my school pretty much having an eating disorder and this this really long. There was no shame around eating disorders. It was a badge of honor, like being bulimic, being successfully bulimic was something other girls would be jealous of. There was this long queue outside the toilet after lunch every day of girls taking turns to throw up. I was a girl who sat next to me in maths who used to uh, weigh herself uh, while eating lunch so she could watch the dial move as she was eating, not understanding that physics isn't the same as calories. In a right. bait, who didn't understand what they were doing. And, you know, I now have a body that doesn't work properly because of everything I did. You know, I have trouble with my digestive system, my adrenals, my kidneys, my bloody insulin levels, my bones, my fertility. Uh, I, I'm i fucked <laughs> because yeah. of that sort of stuff. And I haven't partaken in that industry in like 10 or 15 years. And it's just all the damage I did back then that is so potent, but I'm still fucked now. And I guess that's why I can't be in this industry and watch these very clearly like not, not entirely undamaged women perpetuate the same monster that has dictated their happiness. I can't have. I can't stand by and watch it.
0: I'm kind of glad that you're not. I think. I think you're a vo- I think in any in any type of if that's going to come out, we also need the critical thinkers like you. We need people that kind of come out and and argue a different side or kind of sh- peek behind the curtain of what's real and what's not. Because you're right. It's it's the ones like my daughter, my one daughter. She'd be like, "Oh my gosh, she come off TikTok," and she'll tell me this whole long like graphic story about some crime that happened. And I was like, that doesn't sound real. And she's like, no, I saw it on TikTok. They literally will believe anything they see because it's been told on a platform that they just, that must be true. They don't, they, it's sad because it's almost like, they haven't been lied to enough. Like they haven't realized how much they've been lied to yet. And it's sad because you wanna you want to kind of hold them and be like, you shouldn't have to get hard into the world to be critical thinkers, to know that people will lie to you, to sell you things, to sell you a story, to get more likes, to get more shares. It is, it is truly a terrifying thing to kind of teach your kids to learn that people will lie to you, that that, that is something that will happen in society, right?
1: Exactly. And we're sort of soaked in the fallacy that ignorance and innocence are mutually exclusive. Whereas, all I'm trying to do, like, if people think I'm trying to cancel the Kardashians or influencers. I'm not. All I'm trying to do is educate people. I think that's all the power that people need. I think people are inherently intelligent and their instincts work appropriately. But if they're just being bombarded with lies, then we're in so much chaos, we can't see what is real and what isn't. So, I think it's just my job to be an educator, I'm not the punisher. I'm not here to like kill anyone or get rid of anyone. I'm not a vigilante. I'm just trying to wake people up to realize so that they can make these decisions for themselves. Like look at how much the sales of diet teas and detox teas have gone down since I've done all of my incredibly crass and crude videos and comedy bits trying to explain the actual damages of these products. It's been a palpable shift in the industry because people realize, oh, it's laxatives. That's all they needed to know for not only people to stop buying it, but people stopped selling it because it became, I made it embarrassing to sell diet and detox products. And I think that might be the proudest achievement of my entire life. It's just making it embarrassing to participate in because you should be fucking embarrassed if you take money to to perpetuate this kind of prison culture of eating disorders.
0: Yeah, and it almost took what was, I remember reading in a Seventeen magazine when I was a teenager. I was working in a pharmacy at the time, so all we did was read magazines. And I remember reading about one of the girls from The Clueless show, and she was struggling with an eating disorder, but it was using laxatives. So basically, they just took what was an eating disorder and packaged it into something that looked like it was wellness and sold it out into the world. So, and when you re, when I read the article, when I was a teenager, I didn't suddenly go, oh, that's how I can lose weight. I'll just go and eat laxatives. Cause here I am hearing the story of how horrific her life was going through this and how her body stopped functioning in ways that she couldn't even go to the bathroom normally anymore. And suddenly it was, you know, packaged as, as a diet product. But I love that you kind of said that you, you kind of talk about these things so that people can make decisions. And this is where I'm constantly stuck. And so while I have your fucking ear and voice, I'm going to ask the question, how do we balance body autonomy with everything going on in the world, because here's where I get stuck in struggle, because I know that I've made decisions for my body in the past, and then I've moved past them. I know that there were times that I definitely wanted to go down some really aggressive paths, and then I didn't or change my mind or whatever. But then there's also the side of it where there's people who, you know, are kind of the exceptions to the rules, the body autonomy ones that, you know, we talk about are often, you, we just think it's as simple as somebody who wants to get a boob job or not. But we're also recognizing now that to kind of write off entire industries can be really polarizing, especially for folks in the trans community who really rely on these surgeries to kind of bring them home to what they feel on the inside or what they've always known to be true on the inside. But I get stuck with it. I get stuck with it all the time. How to kind of balance, you know, allowing people this body autonomy while also pushing back against why these choices are being made in the first place what's your stance? How do you, how have you processed it? Maybe you're the same as me and you're kind of stuck. I don't know. I mean,
1: I just personally think whatever you want to do surgically to your body is your choice, right? I just think it's very important to be transparent about that. When you mm. are a role model, a celebrity someone who makes money off of your aesthetic, if you're a trans kid in Ohio, you don't have to go around declaring it because then you are risking your own safety. But if you are a famous person who people are, who is, selling products uh, that are like, look like me, then you have to show your workings out as to how to look like you. Chrissy Teigen is a wonderful example of someone who, I remember this tweet and that was the moment I started following her, that a girl said, you're so beautiful. How can I look like you? And she just said, oh, well, uh, I mean, I guess I have my nose and my chin and my cheeks done and I have fillers. So that's how you look like me if you want to. It was really painful, but I don't regret it. And I just thought that kind of candor is exactly what we need. I'm not saying someone can't change something that troubles them. I understand that we still live in a world that does punish us for the way that we look, but you have to be open about it if you're going to make a fucking single dollar of the way that you look, because that is false. That is true false advertising. And where I stand with surgery versus an actual doctor is administering surgical procedures, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly those are done with actual healthcare providers. Uh, the difference between that and a dodgy detox product that isn't FDA regulated, that isn't monitored by a doctor, it means that you are putting actual poison into your body. I mean, some of the things that I've been working with Harvard Strike to create two laws to protect minors from um, diet and detox drinks. So, anyone under the age of 18 uh, for muscle building and for the weight loss. We found out that there is speed in some of these diet drinks.
0: Whoa!
1: There are addictive substances in these drinks. We found out that there are laxatives in almost all of them. And by the way, laxatives aren't always Senna. Laxatives are sometimes things like magnesium citrate, which is uh, a kind of like quote unquote health laxative that is incredibly bad. It can give you IBS. It can give you all kinds of bowel problems forever, a lazy bowel forever. And then we found out that in the boys muscle gain products, they were putting Viagra in a lot of them and heavy metals. So what? We're, we're ingesting poison when we take these unregulated old powders from off the internet, which is a fucking crazy thing to do. And we're just drinking them gallons and gallons every single day on a pursuit for something that isn't going to happen. You're just going to shit fire and then you're not going to be able to shit again by yourself for another five days. And just people need to understand that. So, you know, 24,000 kids a year are admitted to the emergency room, I believe, for taking diet and detox products. Oh my gosh. I had my breast reduced. Wonderful. Very open about it. Love, love smaller boobs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Right. And this is, I'm, I'm very like, I, I guess sometimes a lot of people get really caught up on like when you're in a self-love position or you talk about self-love, they decide to choose for you what that should look like. And I've had to, I've had to defend myself so many times over the fact that like, I actually just really like wearing makeup and I don't really always know why, but I also don't feel like my worth is removed when I take it off. And like, Something about a really pretty dress just makes me feel like extra, you know, confident or whatever it is. I know that the confidence isn't in the clothing. It's not in those things. It's just that the, those are almost accessories to how I'm feeling, but it feels like sometimes when we go down these these conversations people love to just polarize it as you need to go down to never coloring your hair again, never doing anything, never doing that. And I kind of love what you you brought it back as is it comes down to holding those accountable who are really in the position of power and influence to be honest about how these things are really going down and at the same time, protecting the, the difference between, you know, these regulated things that can happen versus, you know, the very unregulated. I had no idea there was like emergency room stats or anything like that's absolutely wild or the fact that, How is that even happening that kids are getting their hands on these, this many diet products is because of what they're learning and seeing on the internet. This is not a nothing conversation. This is real life happening all the time. And I think we position it as, oh, it's, it's educated older women who are falling into this, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think you're right. I think it's a lot younger and I think it's a lot scarier. And I think we're going to see the impacts of it medically in the next I, I think we're going to see it in the next like 50 years. I think we're going to see the fallout.
1: We're seeing the mental health statistics with the highest ever epidemic of teeny teen disorders, teen self-harm, teen suicide, and teen cosmetic surgery procedures. So clearly this isn't working. This tune world isn't working. Photoshop, all these different things. We are creating a culture of distracted girls, predominantly girls. I know this affects other genders, but let's just talk about women for now being 80% of the market, We are a distracted generation. How can we ever be equal with men when we have all of this extra homework to do, when we're spending this much of our fucking time and energy and heart on trying to cheat a system? We're trying to cheat gravity. We're trying to cheat slowing metabolisms, which happen with age. We're trying to cheat physics. You know, we're not supposed to sag or age as we get older. You know it just it doesn't it doesn't even make sense to have a skinny face that never ages. Coco Chanel said you either have to choose at 30 between your ass and your face. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: My gosh. I'm somebody who's definitely gone down that path before too. I I've made those decisions and I've also chosen to like, instead of sitting with shame in it, it, just moving forward with my life, like moving forward in, in different types of decisions as well. But knowing that, you know, the information around these things, I I'm very pro do whatever the hell you want, do whatever, make like, make your own choices for things. But I think you're right. If we're not getting full information, people can't make an educated decision on them. These things really need to be talked about a whole lot more. So this kind of brings me down to like social media as a whole, because it's there, it's a beast you've seen and and you've, you've seen how damaging it can be, but you've also kind of seen the other side of it and, and a lot of beauty that can be brought out from it. What are your feelings around social media and, and, and creating boundaries with it as well? Uh,
1: for me, I think social media does more good than it does harm because of, you know, look at the work with Black Lives Matter, with Me Too, with Time's Up, with I Weigh, even it wouldn't have succeeded. I wouldn't have been able to go after the biggest magazines and the biggest companies in the world without the power of social media and how many people were able to mobilize with me. I do think we need to, teach kids and schools about the dangers of social media, about what Photoshop is, how it works, how much of what they're saying isn't true, how much porn isn't real. Their mental health is being harmed by the fact that they are being so consistently lied to. And we need to teach them how to be truly literate in social media. And we need to teach self-defense of the mind. You know, we teach self-defense of the body, but we never talk about how to protect your space, how to no longer surround yourself with toxic people online and offline in order to make sure that you have a sound, uh, safe space in your periphery. You know, so I, you know, fat shaming family members, fat shaming friends, friends who fat shame you or themselves or other people, that shit is toxic. And following people online that either fat shame or just sell an unrealistic ideal or even are naturally just skinny and beautiful. Like one of the, I don't know, I don't know if they're naturally like that, but let's just take like a Hadid for example not selling any diet or detox products, Kendall Jenner, not selling any diet or detox products, but maybe that's going to trigger someone looking at those images and it's going to make them feel bad about themselves every day. You don't have to follow it. You're not going to lose any kind of, any of your brain cells, any of your social currency by not following these people. It's not important. It's definitely not as important as making sure that your brain is being nourished and not taken away from every day. Follow activists, follow writers, comedians, artists. There are so many incredible you know, people online, so many great creators. There's so much that you can find that can expand your horizons. Social media has exposed me to more amazing people than I could have ever physically met in my life. And I think we need to focus on those people and follow those people and take the power away from the toxic people. But
0: I have to ask because I'm somebody who I'm a white woman. I am what they would call pretty, pretty privileged. Yeah, pretty privileged. And I mean like pretty privileged. I'm not like rich or anything, but I mean like I have an aesthetically pleasing face to society and I still am a size 8'10". So I am still existing within the realm of thin privilege. I can still shop wherever I want to. And I remember what it was like when I couldn't. Um, I can still do a lot of things and I'm generally accepted this has been a huge conversation in the last year. And I know you just had um, Stephanie yaboa on, is that how you say her last name? On your podcast as well. And she really kind of spoke into this as well. But I want to hear from you. What do you think for those listening? Because I know there's a lot of people that people that tend to follow you are often people who kind of align with you or, and I did the same thing. I followed people that kind of looked like me until I realized that I was literally following people that only looked like me and not expanding myself in any way whatsoever. But knowing that my audience is very much made up of a lot of women who kind of fit this similar mold to me and, and really I've really leaned into the fact that acknowledging these privileges is really, really important, but also how can we be better at you? I know this has been a similar thing for you while you are not white. You also get kind of brought into this. You cannot be a part of the body positive conversation because of these things. And, and we've realized, you know, there's a lot of people who are not, they're being discriminated. They're being medically discriminated against because of their bodies. And this is the bigger conversation we need to have, but how can we and should we be continuing to participate in these wider, broader topics, but how can we also do it in a way that elevates the voices of those who are really being shoved down to the bottom?
1: Well, I think, you know, we have these platforms and it's just really important to democratize them. I've made a mission over the last two and a half years to keep highlighting other activists and their work and other types of beauty standards and people with disabilities or people with skin differences or all these different kinds of people and showing them in a glorious and beautiful light, celebrating them and elevating their voices. So I think it's really important for everyone to do that, not just because you are then paying credit and homage to that person, but also then all the people on your feed are seeing someone who might look a bit like them. And they're also to become hyper normalized to images of fat people or disabled people all kinds of people who are normally hidden from all media imagery Power. even if you have 16 followers make sure that you are democratizing your your feed like truly like diversify your feed as much as you can so i think that's really important i also think that it's very important to understand the difference between what the body positivity movement is and that it isn't for everyone because as you said Body positivity is for people who have been medically discriminated against, who are societally discriminated against. They can't get jobs. They cannot find love. They are just shunned entirely from society. They have to love and be positive about something that society hates and is so negative about. It's not a choice, it's survival. So, for me, what I've done is I have made sure from the beginning that I do not participate in body positivity. I support it from the outside, but I participate in body neutrality. Which is an eating disorder is a survivor has been the best thing for me, where I don't think about how much I love, I'm not trying to make myself love my thighs, love my hips, love my stretch marks, love my Sunday light. I would love to be that person, I would love to be Lizzo, but I'm not there yet. I'm too corrupt. And so instead, I just don't think about them all the time. I don't have a full-length mirror. I don't really take selfies. If you'll see from my social media, like I don't, uh, I do my makeup in a small compact mirror. I don't participate with my aesthetic very often unless I absolutely have to for work. And
0: that means that I'm not thinking about it all the time. You're less distracted. And, and, and that comes back to it. You're less distracted.
1: I, that's just it. And and since letting go of being obsessed with my imagery and wearing baggier clothes and no longer setting myself up for failure, I have found that I have been more successful, 10 times more successful in my career. In my happiness, in my life, in my love, in my friendships. I'm a more present and whole and interesting person for the fact that I'm no longer distracted by just the rules of the patriarch.
0: <laughs> I freaking love you for that. So let's talk because you, now we've got the I weigh podcast. First of all, it's phenomenal. Congratulations. Your conversations are so well led. You were definitely, I know you have a history in like radio, but man, it is really, really, really well done, but how have you been enjoying podcasting? How's the experience been for you?
1: I love it. You know, it's just such a personal way to speak to someone. And, you know, I've, I speak to a very large range, like wide range of people. So you've got yeah. doctors, experts or activists, but also I have some very famous women and, you know, there are a lot of them coming on the show in the next couple of months. And it feels like a space where the media training can take a step back because they know that I'm not a journalist who's trying to set them up a soundbite I'm just trying to have an open honest conversation in which I protect them and so it's been great to have such a wide range of people from different backgrounds and ages come on and just tell the whole truth about mental health about shame about insecurity and their journey is their most honest journeys and I think that what I've been lucky to see is that this podcast has been responsible for making people feel a lot less alone because we're trying to destigmatize and demystify the symptoms, symptoms of mental health issues.
0: Yeah. And I think that combined with also opening eyes to things that potentially we had blind spots on for, for a lot of these, again, with using your own privilege, it's been such a platform to kind of peek into the realities of those who have very different stories of the ones that we've never heard before. Like you've had some incredible guests on, but I think you're it's going to be, it's going to be something else. And I think it's been such a beautiful thing to be able to watch the way movement go from these Instagram photos where people did, you know, little overlays of how they were going to truly weigh themselves if they were no longer going to be a number and they were going to be something more. And now to bring it into a much bigger conversation on a podcast, which to be honest, the reason I love podcasts so much is because you have a captivated audience. People can't interject their own opinion in there. They can't interrupt you. It is like a moment where you're still as a listener and they're captivated. And I think you are the perfect person to be doing something like that. So I'm really stoked. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you. if they Like clearly everyone's already following you. We're going to have stuff in the show notes as well, but promote the hell out of yourself right now.
1: Well, uh, we have a YouTube channel called I Way. Uh, well, it's actually just under my name. So if you just type in forward slash Jamila Jamil after YouTube, you will find a YouTube channel that is all about I Way. It's all me finding uh, young activists and writers and social commentators and docs. And also, I have this podcast that is called I Weigh with Jamila Jamal. It's available wherever you find your podcast. It's just about mental health shame and knowing that. Whatever you are going through, it's okay. You can find a way out. There is hope and you are not alone.
0: Thank you so, so much. This has been truly such an honor. And I think I've learned more in this hour, just recognizing distractions of life than I have in several months in in the quietness of this quarantine. But I really appreciate your time and, and energy and everything you've brought today. So thank you
1: this evil little voice in our head that says things to us that we would never say, we'll never tolerate being said to a friend or a friend saying to themselves of, you're too fat for that job, you can't wear that dress, you don't deserve love, you don't deserve sex, you're bad in bed because of the way you look, you should only have sex with the lights off, you are old, you are fat, you are worthless, um, you are invisible, all these things that we say to ourselves, these are horrifying sentences that we are, we've ingested this hatred of our bodies from the outside. And now we've kind of grown it and nurtured it and built it up to this big monster inside. You have to kill the bully. And if there was ever a moment of stillness in which you can do that, it's now.
0: You're so charming and you're so sweet and you're also so educated and so wise. You're just such a package. And I just so appreciate you today. So everyone, I'm going to put everything in the show notes go and check out everything that's going on, especially the podcast and the YouTube channel. It's really going to give you a deep dive into everything that's going on with the I Way movement and, and really start removing these distractions in our lives and really getting down and focused on, you know, peeking behind the curtain on real stories with real people and weighing ourselves for much bigger things than a number on a scale. So thank you so much for joining us this week and we will see you next week.